0: realtor deb tomorrow
1: and welcome to real real estate today i am your host deb tomorrow you can find us on facebook is probably the easiest place deb tomorrow realtor t-o-m-a-r-o my mother says spell it um, and that's probably the easiest way to find me, and you can always contact me via email too, which is deb at realrealestatetoday.com. And we are here today talking, we're going to talk about student loans a little bit more. We had a great show last week about student loans, and there's a lot more to talk about. So I called an audible during last week's show and turned it into a two-parter. So good for me. Uh, I am joined, as usual, by Ms. Karen Rastel, who is the best day lender London in the state of Indiana. Hi, Karen. Hello, Deb. Sporting the Ruoff Home Mortgage.
2: I am. It's. Um, I'm working from home today, and it's a gloomy, rainy day. And I thought I'm going to
1: come into town. I'm just throwing Ray. on a sweatshirt. Right. God bless radio. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to tell you, I have. I'm seeing Ruoff, this, your mortgage company's name, everywhere. You know, it was big news back in May that they sponsored the winning car of the Indy 500, and then they um, bought the naming rights to. We call it Deer Creek, which is like a music center where all the big concerts are uh, up in Indianapolis. And I was raised going to Deer Creek, but I, then it's become other names. And now it is the, what is it called? It's called, it's, I, I
2: by the way, I went to when it was called Deer yeah. Creek. It was 20 minutes from my house. Yeah. But it is now, it it's now officially the Home Mortgage Music Center. It just rolls off the tongue. It sure does. Mm-hmm. It sure
1: does. And, um, um, but Yeah. And then I was at the Colts game because we're season ticket holders for the Colts and we were there on Sunday and Ruoff is all over the place there too. Did you know their sponsor there too? Um
2: I I did know that because the big board. because someone's so nice and sometimes invites me to games yes. to attend just to yes. hang out because my son's a big huge football yes. sports. But yeah, I've seen I've seen the
1: yeah. <laughs> marketing there. Just feel like they're yeah. everywhere. So, anyways. yeah. So if you're in Indiana, Ruoff is the company to go to. Also give a shout out to our dear Rachel, associate producer, face of an angel, mouth of a sailor. She's going to be doing some live posts, to some links. We're going to provide some resources and things like that when it comes she to student loans. She looks super cute today, She's too. She's like so bohemian today. Yeah, I love the hat. With like the head wrap thing going. Yeah. And well,
2: the, yeah. Yeah. That's
1: a new one. I haven't seen that. Yeah. She's pretty cool. I like it. So, I have a few things I want to talk about before we get back into student loans. A few weeks ago, we talked about Equifax and the big security breach that happened early September, maybe, on that. And we gave some recommendations on what to do because... How many people were affected? Well, now it's up to 145 million, oh, yeah. to,
2: like 2 million more than what initially was. Oh, yeah. It was initially okay. 143 43. and a okay. half,
1: and now it's like 145. And, and when and do we half. decide there's 325 million people in the United States? So more than Just half of, like yeah. Yes. Uh, take most of the kids out of the equation and pretty much you're going to be affected. So we were recommending that people pull their credit reports, not their scores, but their reports, make sure everything on there is legit, that they actually, I think the best piece of advice was read your credit card statements. Don't just pay the bill like I do, but look over all the transactions um, and be vigilant for quite some time because, you know, Karen, you had said, I think that these kinds of, Criminals it'll be, can lay
2: low. Yeah, it'll be ongoing. They'll just, you know, everyone is on very, like, heightened awareness of the situation. Right. And then maybe when we put our guards down and we just expect it, something could potentially
1: happen. So, obviously, there was some fallout at Equifax uh, because of that security breach. I know the first thing that happened was that the CEO, um, his name is Richard Smith, and he was... Um, he retired. retired, right? And yeah. Karen was a little up in arms about this because she sent me a text with a link to an article and some few a few choice words about his what? retirement.
2: The article that I read uh, indicated, and I it may have been in quotes, air quote, or I'm using air quotes right now, but mm-hmm. quotes that he retired, but he will potentially walk away with like 90 million dollars. That's insane. As part of, right. you know, his employment package and things like that. But then the consumers that have been impacted, we're going to have to pay for credit protection potentially. Mm-hmm. And if we freeze our credit and unfreeze it, like there mm-hmm. are fees involved in that. And I just don't understand. Mm. Yeah, I don't agree with that. but uh. You know, I just had
1: a, a closing this morning with a client. And I don't know if this has anything to do with it. I might mention it to him, but his debit card got hacked somehow or, or, or stolen, he had, uh, what did he say it was, 19 or 20 charges for $7.50 at USPS, like the Postal Service hmm. uh, website. And he called his bank, which was Chase, and they said, mm, sorry, and wouldn't do anything because it was debit, which is another reason to kind of think about using the credit and just pay it off each month if you're disciplined to do that Mm -hmm. um but you know things like that are going to happen too and he had to kind of eat it and he was not a happy camper goodness yeah Yeah. well uh, this uh Equifax CEO Richard Smith was in some senate hearings last week which provided much amusement on a few different fronts (laughs) um did I find this and send it to you Yes, you did, okay. and uh, you sent it to Rachel and I both. And I think I found it on TMZ, which is my go-to news source, tmz.com. Uh, and I this read awesome. this story, and it's Sorry. hysterical. So I don't know if you saw it. Most of us don't tune into, like, the C-SPAN or whatnot that televised the Senate hearings. But a protester, it's actually a woman, mm-hmm. uh, showed up and dressed as the Monopoly man and positioned herself right behind the CEO, Richard Smith, and uh, during the whole hearing. So I'm going to read this article because it's really funny. So Monopoly Man became the internet crush of the day on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, after upstaging former Equifax CEO Richard Smith at a Senate hearing on the company's massive data breach. Uh, the board game character, whose name is Rich Uncle Pennybags,
2: I never knew that. Yeah,
1: there you go. Rich Uncle Pennybags was brought to life by Amanda Werner, an arbitration campaign manager for Public Citizen and Americans for Financial Reform, groups that advocate for consumer rights and protections. Almost immediately, the monocle, mustache, top hat, pillow-sized bag of fake Benjamins became a social media sensation. Uh, The most unlikely viewers tuned in to the Senate Banking Committee hearing to watch Warner troll Richard Smith, who was facing a room full of angry senators after a hack that may have exposed the personal information of more than 145 million people. And people loved it. It was a very calculated move, said Warner, uh, adding that it was hilarious to watch the scene become a meme in real time. Warner mugged and preened for the camera and somehow, in a week dominated by sad and distressing news, gave people what they didn't know they wanted a delightful reprieve. But this article goes on, and I just thought this was interesting. It goes on to explain how she did it without getting kicked out. Because, you know, you think the Capitol, there's security measures, right? And it's also they want to maintain a certain era of dignity, I would think. Um, And so she has attended a slew of Senate hearings and even provided pro-consumer rights testimonies in some cases. So they were pretty informed on uh, where to be, what seat they wanted. okay They knew where to sit. Um, but the problem is that the seats in the audience tend to fill up quickly. So they had a dedicated intern and he showed up. It's like we have an IKEA store opening tomorrow in <laughs> yeah. Indianapolis and right. people are camping out. This they sent this intern to like camp out had to get there at 7 am uh, and held a spot in line for R- Warner so that she could get the prime seat. So he' was the first one in line so they could get that prime seat. Uh, and then over Twitter, uh, Warner was able to figure out the best angles as had floated in and out of camera's view. So they would take pictures and post it on Twitter and kind of figure out, okay, that one wasn't quite as good. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Um, and, you know, they just said they wanted to do something to get people's attention, which I think that they did. Um, there was some discussion, too, about what the rules are. Like, costumes are allowed. Oh,
2: didn't know that. Uh, there,
1: there are rules for costumes. Uh, the, the um, committee hearings, you know, what you can and can't do. Costumes, apparently they are allowed. In fact, um, someone had once, once dressed as Abraham Lincoln, complete with a beard and a foot long stovepipe hat. So, good to know.
2: What I loved is that, the, I don't know if it's, if it's that article that you're referencing or that Rachel's going to post that I had seen that, at one point, she took a, like a like a wad of money yeah. and was like trying to like wipe the sweat but, off yeah. her. Like she was like you know overcome with like
1: sweat yeah. or what she was you wiping know? her brow oh with hundred dollar fake hundred dollar So <laughs> apparently, it's over against the rules to hold up a sign. You cannot do that. Um, but they said they were that she did hold up a yellow get out of free jail free card from time to time. Um, but she wouldn't hold that for very long. She said, I was a little afraid that as I was wiping my forehead with a hundred dollar bill or doing other things that were calling a lot of attention to myself that I might get warned. But the only warning she got was for holding a giant bag of money on her lap, which they immediately set on the floor. Um, Yeah. But she would like stroke her like mustache and the (laughs) whole thing throughout the whole. Uh So brilliant. Kudos to that. Followed up with another TMZ article about the Equifax hearings. This one has to do, this has nothing to do with nothing. This is why I get (laughs) popped up and I was like, are you kidding me, Equifax? And it's not Equifax, but uh, it has to do with Lindsay Lohan. Now, how, may I ask, is Lindsay Lohan related to the Equifax hack? I don't know, but I think you're about to tell us. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, because 20, this is the, and the article is actually really funny. I'm going to read the whole thing. Because 2017 has not been ridiculous enough. Now comes word that U.S. Senator John Kennedy, not that John Kennedy, um, his tendency to make quippy sound bites has earned him a new enemy. The parents, this is, it's not even Lindsay Lohan, it's the freaking parents of Lindsay Lohan, who are threatening to sue the senator over a quip he made about their daughter. Uh, Here's the setup. The Senate Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee was questioning the former head of the credit reporting company. That's the guy with the monopoly guy sitting behind him. Uh, And the company, uh, part of that uh, questioning, the company, Equifax, had won a no-bid government contract to provide taxpayer and personal identity verification services. So there was no competition, and the government had just awarded them that contract, and so they were asking questions about that. And at one point, Senator John Kennedy, not that John Kennedy, said giving Equifax a $7.3 million contract to protect the IRS from fraud is outrageous. It looks like we're giving Lindsay Lohan keys to the minibar. That's pretty funny, right? Um, so Kennedy, who is not the star of Disney's Parent Trap, was of course making sport of Lohan's well-documented trips to rehab. Lohan, who is not an elected member of Congress, uh, chosen to guide our nation during troubled times, took up the 21st century dueling sword, which is of course. Twitter. Twitter. She posted a picture of herself with a giant bottle of water and said, This is the only thing I keep in my mini bar these days. Glad I found lawyer.com. They are helping me out. Oh
2: my gosh. Right? <laughs> okay, yeah. We're dick, right? That, yeah. Okay,
1: so Lindsay said her piece and moved on. But now here comes Dina and Michael, winners. Uh, Lohan's parents, who are not the Brady Bunch, uh, were even less amused, implying that they might sue Kennedy over him poking fun at their daughter. Um, So Dina and I are seeking legal counsel for Lindsay regarding the slanderous comments and unprofessional behavior of Senator John Kennedy. Uh, His comment uh, and analogy was inappropriate, slanderous, and unwarranted. So there you go, Equifax. Thanks for bringing Dina and Michael Lohan back into the headlines. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Crazy. Uh, we got to go break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about student loans and Lindsay Lohan with Hell. Stick around. You're <laughs> listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station voiceamerica.com
0: Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel You count Tune into Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out Follow the movement Meet guests who are shaking things up Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice Large or small, your part counts So join us Co hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
0: you are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com Now, back to this week's program.
1: All right, thank you for coming back. Hope you missed our riveting first segment about Equifax and Lindsay Lohan. (laughs) And if not, rewind and listen to it. So I took up that whole segment and I was going to talk about another quirky real estate thing so maybe I will anyways Uh, Rachel posted this on Facebook a couple days ago but it came up in conversation with a client again today Um, she was asking about haunted houses and I was like well I know of a house that has aliens if you want to buy that so there is a house that went on the market in Arizona it's a ranch uh, said to be visited by aliens Uh, when John Edmonds moved to the Stardust Ranch in Buckeye, Arizona, 20 years ago. The neighbor didn't exactly bring pie. Instead, a man wielding a machete showed up on the doorstep to inform John and his wife, Joyce, that he was the one who kept the monsters away. Okay? Mm -hmm. Things only got stranger from there, and now, after decades of paranormal encounters, the Edmondses are ready to sell the Rainbow Valley property. This working ranch currently is used as a horse rescue, is available for $5 million. The 10-acre property includes a 3,500-square-foot home with five bedrooms and four baths. The home has a pool, RV hookups, and a private well, all behind a gated entrance. There are four horse corrals, a pole barn area, a tack room, a kennel, a commercial-size hay barn. Uh, And also on the property are two portals. Portals. To go We're told. into like the next dimension? Uh, that Edmonds believe lead to another dimension, yes, and through which aliens travel. One is located in the back of the property and the other is in the living room fireplace. Okay. Uh, he claims to have killed 18 aliens with a samurai sword that he keeps in the living room. Um, the couple say they discovered the previous owners threw all of their possessions into the pool rather than moving them to their next house. They've also experienced unexplained bruising and syringe-like punctures on their bodies, Joyce believes she was attacked in the master bedroom, which she now refuses to enter. Uh, they have had animals mutilated, and one dog died shortly after attacking an alien. Edmonds has got a tissue sample from an alien he stabbed and submitted it to biophysicist and crop circle researcher W.C. Levengood. Levengood, according to Edmonds, believed that the sample's composition was unlike anything found on this planet and could be linked to similar samples found at a cattle mutilation site. I guess that's what the aliens do, is mutilate the cattle. Um, The home has been featured on travel channels, ghost adventures, and multiple paranormal and alien websites. A neighbor has also witnessed unusual activity on the property, which is relatively isolated. Uh, This property is not going to be for the faint of heart, says listing agent Kimberly Garrow. It's going to be for someone who has a true interest in the paranormal and aliens and isn't afraid to live with them, and it wouldn't hurt if they had an interest in horses too. The eventual buyer must sign a document acknowledging that there is no guarantee of having an alien encounter or of avoiding one. Buy at your own risk, advises the listing agent. If it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it's not on the sellers. Um, I don't think you're going to find another property quite like this one. It's currently on the market right now. Right now. Right now. This okay. was uh, from Realtor.com. So you know it was real. August or October 6th is when the article mm. was, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's pending already. So there you go. News of the weird and the strange from Lindsay Lohan to aliens, which is not that far of a stretch. That's <laughs> what I have to say. All right. Let's get down to student loan business. We talked last week about the impact of student loans on the economy in general. Um, We talked about the fact that there is about $1.45 trillion in U.S. student loan debt, uh, about 44 million Americans carrying this debt. But if you do the math, it's about $3,800 per person in the United States of student loan debt, um, and that that is causing uh, people to, first-time homebuyers, to put off home ownership on an average seven years. Uh, and we talked a little bit about how this is sort of creating this chain reaction that's impacting the economy in a lot of ways, uh, for example, like we talked about delaying your entry into the housing market, but it's also delaying move up sellers. So people that managed to get into their first home, maybe then took on some more student debt. I have a lot of clients like this, young couples, and they get settled into their first home. Mm -hmm. And then somebody decides to go back to school, and they take out more student debt. Now they have more um, debt than they had when they bought the home. Their debt's kind of going in the opposite direction. And they can't qualify for a bigger home, so they kind of make a with what they have, but then there are fewer homes going on the market for the first-time home buyers that are out there, so it is a chain reaction. So, my point was that that it's an issue. Student loans um, and kind of the changes that are going on are things that people, you know, in my generation and other generations need to um, sit up and, and take notice of. I. I We'll be honest and say, you know, I think I'm a little bit like, oh, they just need to suck it up. And I don't know that, you know, after doing all of this research, you know, I got through college without student loan debt. Um, had a little bit in grad school, but was able to pay it off quickly, but very different times when school cost, you know, $1,700 I mean, $1, $1, a
2: semester. I had student loan debt, but it was it was part of it. You know, my parents covered the majority of it.
1: And then there was the part that I needed to cover. So, yeah. So I found this article. um, You probably didn't know these facts about student loans. And I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, Number one, the collateral for your student loan debt is your future earnings. And I had never thought about it this way. But it's an interesting way to think about it. When you buy a car and you get a car loan, the collateral for your car loan is the value of the car. Mm -hmm. Uh, and If you don't make your monthly payments, the bank simply repossesses your car. And the same is true for a house and a mortgage. If you don't pay your mortgage, the bank forecloses on your house. So when you take on a student loan, what is the collateral? Is it just goodwill? No, the collateral on your student loans is your ability to earn money in the future. Uh, If you fail to pay back your loans... This, is, this was the powerful sentence for me, so listen up here. If you fail to pay back your loans, the lender, because they don't have a car to take back, and they don't have a house to take back, they can garnish your wages, they can garnish your Social Security, and they can offset and take your tax refund. So, that's sort of what they end up taking back, which is sort of a scary thought. Um so that was number one. Number two, you can refinance federal student loans. And apparently that's a misconception. Um, and we're going to provide some resources towards the end of the show about um, looking at refinancing options. Um, hopefully people, this is why you pay attention in math class. Um, because I think it's important to make smart decisions about refinancing. Just, you know, like I said on last week's show, I'm fairly conservative fiscally. Um you know, I don't like to take on a lot of debt, but I'll take on smart debt. And, you know, I define smart debt as it pertains to kind of me. Yeah, what your goals are and what you're trying to Thank achieve. Thank you. Right. I know there are other radio hosts out there who will tell you exactly what is smart debt and say it's none. And, you know, I have a little bit of a different vision of it because I know me and I know my goals. Um, and I, and I want to make those, you know, meet those goals. But um th- don't think you can't refinance you can and there are programs that you can get lower interest rates which makes sense over time um you know gosh i i know that people live off their student loans if you think about you know you buy that taco at taco bell with your student loan money right because it's room and board and food and whatever and you're still paying for that taco 30 years later you could be paying for that new hideous taco that they have out now
2: sorry which one is i'm I don't know. It's like, looks like a, an egg. Oh, the the egg one. Yeah. They Mm. need to stay away from breakfast. But no, I know what you're saying. When I took out my student loans and my son was, um, um, 14 months old at the time, Mm -hmm. I was back in school. Um, yeah, I did. I paid my childcare costs. I bought diapers. I did things like that. But yes, once you're out of school and you're in repayment, you're like, holy crap, I'm still paying on those diapers from like three years ago. Exactly.
1: Right. Um, and, uh, what else was I going to say about that? Um, Anyways, just think about that. Oh, I was going to tell a story. I had a college roommate who bought a dog off the student loans, like oh, a purebred Akita oh. dog. That was how they spent their student loan money.
3: Okay.
1: I'm going to guess that they are still paying off the dog, and the dog is no longer with us. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number three. Parents who take on loans for their kids owe the debt, and I think this is important to understand, too. Now, I've also heard the flip. I've heard a lot of people say they thought their parents were taking on the debt, and when they got out of school, all of a sudden they started getting, you know, it was taken out in their name, and it was impacting them, and they weren't aware that they were going to be getting those payments. And I see a lot of, I hear a lot of confusion stories about, well, you know I thought my parents were going to pay that back and now the parents aren't or again that goes back to one of your original shows with the hashtag demand to
2: understand just know yeah. exactly like you know a loan's taking going to be taken out for your education benefit I would I would find out for sure yeah at the end who is going to be responsible for that
1: right right and it's such a I, I read this story last week this guy and it, I'm not sharing the story because it kind of felt a little whiny to me and it had a lot of really bad feedback on the internet but he was sort of saying that um, it wasn't discussed in his family because his parents felt an obligation to provide private school education for their kids, um, and so it was just sort of an expectation in their family, and they just never had the discussion about how it was going to be paid yeah and who was going to be responsible for it and he would just march into the financial aid office every semester sign paperwork had no idea what he was signing thought that um, a lot of the loans were going to be in his parents names and ends up they weren't because he didn't read what he was signing Um, but yeah like someone was asking I took out $30,000 in student loans to pay for my daughter's college now I'm 55 and nearing retirement and my daughter can't make the payments because she doesn't have a job yet what are your options well, but the loan's in your name, parent, so you it's going to fall back on you. That's what that sounds like in that situation, yes. Yeah. Um, um, if you don't graduate college, you still have to pay back your loans. That is a true statement. Ooh, I went to grad school with a guy who had gone through three years of dental school and then gave up. Oh, no. Ooh, and then he decided to come over and do my grad program. Hmm. I can only imagine what that tally was I don't even want to know yeah so think about that Uh, and then co-signers on student loans are just as responsible as the student and this then brought some other interesting thoughts about co-signers but have you ever run into someone who had co-signed on a student loan and was trying to buy a house Probably, yes. Probably, yes. I (laughs) know you can't answer all these questions that I ask you sometimes. But that impacts, that's really important to think about. That if you are, you know, a grandmother or a brother or a sister or a cousin and you're co-signing on a student loan for someone as a favor. Like the article I was telling you about with the guy who was kind of whiny. He refinanced some student loans and his, like, good friend John co-signed. And I was like, oh, really? Like, why wouldn't I... I'm sorry, but I don't think I would ever co-sign for anybody.
2: It's a tough decision. I mean, it's a tough decision. And I have met um, one a good friend of mine who's a grandmother, had co-signed for her grandson and just thought that, okay, you know, he's making the payments, and he had not. So her credit was impacted. And then when she finally, finally, they can't reach him, so they're calling her, and they say, we need payment, or, or, you know, I don't know what the recourse was. So she was like, okay, I'm going to go refinance my house. I'm just going to pay this off. And then that's when we pulled the credit, and those late payments that the grandson yeah, didn't make hitting, hitting her credit, and so Ouch. yeah, so that
1: does impact a cosigner oh as
0: goodness. well. All
1: right, well, let's go to another break, and then we'll come back, and we will talk about how payments are counted when a lender is looking at your situation. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate.
3: Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
0: Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel,
2: whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com.
3: working for you with Arvind Vora Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety
2: Tune in to the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time
0: You are listening to real real estate today to reach deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show please send an email to deb at real real estate that's deb at real real estate now back to this week's program
1: all right thanks for coming back we are talking student loans so let's talk about how a viewer actually um views your student loan debt. We spoke last week a little bit about how your credit score, your income, and then your debt are all the three factors that a lender takes a look at. But what number do they use? It seems like with student loans, that number can be a bit of a moving target, and that's where a lot of confusion comes in. Uh, And it also seems like the rules change all the time. It can cause confusion, and yes, sometimes the rules do change, do change. So, So Karen has a chart. That human eyes can't read because the print is way too tiny. I don't understand what's up. That I tried to blow it up on my uh, copy machine and it, um, yeah, I only have like half of it. So um, I can't tell you the beginning of any of the sentences, but I can tell you what the ends of the sentences say because they got cut off. But let's use this as an example. Say, say a borrower comes in and they think an FHA loan, which is a typical home time, uh, first time homebuyer loan, uh, and tends to work best for people with student loan debt because it has more generous Debt to income
0: Ray allowances. Yes. yes.
1: Okay, so there are different than columns within, within this. So say, for example, your uh, payment, you're already paying on your student loan. Okay, so you're... Okay, you, you've got a payment going on. Mm-hmm. You're not in deferment or forbearance or anything like that. So what are, what's the number that you're going to use? What that student loan payment is? If it's reporting on the credit report... Which is the key to everything, isn't it? It is.
2: Okay. So, A, is, it re- is a number reporting on the credit report? If it is, is it a fixed repayment? Is okay. it a fixed payment that will be fully paid off by the end of the loan? Um, we would request some documentation. And if it's not, then we would be using 1% of the outstanding balance. Okay. So, the
1: key, key I think the key ideas in all of these are what does your credit report say? Mm-hmm. What, what's the number that's being reported on your credit report as to what you are paying? Is it enough if you made that amount, that monthly payment, is that enough to pay off your loan? Because a lot of times you get reduced payments. Yeah, you could be at an income-based
2: repayment or um, income-driven, I think is another word I've heard, income-driven repayment where you may start out at a, um, let's say your initial job out, out of school isn't what you're going to be potentially earning Uh in income. So your income is a little bit low. And so you may negotiate with your student loan servicer to provide you a, Hey, this is my income now. What kind of payment can we make with this income in comparison to what I owe the student loan servicer with the hopes that you're improving your, uh, I don't know, your your income, job, yeah, yeah your income, right. uh, your income position, and then you can eventually get out of that income-based repayment and get into something, either a graduated payment mm-hmm. or a fixed payment to start fully repaying that loan back to your student loan provider.
1: And as I understand it, they they review that every year and look Typically, at your income. You have to provide income documentation. And if you're married, then that, um, your spouse's income also counts towards some of that I believe. Yeah,
2: if you're applying jointly with a spouse or another person and and all total incomes being looked at and maybe you're the only person with the student loan debt Possibly having that other person's income can definitely help offset whatever your student loan debt is. But yeah, when I was in school, it did. They did look at uh, look at things every year. So your first six months out of uh, out of college, you're in a uh, forbearance period, um, or deferment period, I should say, and then. You need a, you're in repayment Come uh, when you get out of month six after graduating from school, and then you can request to be in a forbearance or an economic hardship or something like that. And they'll look at that um, case by case, and they'll look at it
1: every 12 months. Right. Uh, and there's a difference between deferment and forbearance. I don't, did you know that? I use the words interchangeably, but they're not. I looked this up. And one, you are, deferment is you're not being charged interest. And forbearance, You are being charged interest, but you're not required to make any payments. That kind of rings a
2: bell with me because uh-huh. I will tell you, in the first six months out of graduation, yeah, I was totally writing the deferment. Yeah. No payments, no interest. No they're payments, just kind of no, like yeah. you're in
1: suspension for a little while. But I while. remember
2: asking for, I guess it now that you're telling me it was a forbearance, but I asked for whatever was available at that time. I'm like, I don't know if I can make these like $400 yeah. monthly payments. What can we do? And they're like, oh, we can do this whatever bears for mm-hmm. 12 months but you're going to be accruing interest mm-hmm. so if you you want to be making at least those interest
1: payments to right so your, your price of that taco is going <laughs> yeah and the taco mm-hmm. and up okay so y- whatever that payment is it needs to be enough to pay off the student loan over the term of the loan so if it's a 20 year loan you need to be able to but the payment that the lender is going to count needs to be enough to pay that off.
2: Correct, because a lender doesn't want to like grant a loan request and get someone in there into a home where maybe in about four years, if they're on an income based repayment, and in four years, let's say their their payments going to change or increase significantly, and now all of a sudden they cannot afford this house, right. then then what happens? We've put them in a bad situation right. in home ownership. And
1: if that if the monthly payment isn't being documented on your credit report or it isn't enough to pay the mortgage off or mortgage, the student loan off um, at the end of the term, you're not, you know, you're kind of negative, we call that negative amortization, Um, then the lender will use 1% of the outstanding loan balance as your monthly payment. So if you have, you know, $30,000 in student loans, 1% of that $300 a month is Mm -hmm. what they're going to count. So if you're only having to pay one hundred and eighty-six dollars you know, you might have 300. Correct. Um, now, if your payment hasn't started yet, then it looks like your options are again going back to that 1% mm-hmm. of the loan balance. Um, I guess, that, is that what you would use? Um,
2: it used to be that it's all pretty much every, every loan program or the majority of loan programs now are all up to speed and they're all about at the same that okay. if it's not a fixed payment okay. to fully repay back a student loan in the time that it's to be paid back, then you're going to be using 1% okay. um, or if you can document from the student loan provider that the payment that's reporting is the actual uh, fixed payment, you can use that, um, it used to be where if you were in deferment and you didn't have a student loan payment for at least 12 months out after your loan closing, then you didn't have to count that payment. And that's not necessarily the case anymore. That was uh, that helped a lot of people, mm-hmm. I would say, just a few years ago, yeah. get into an FHA loan. Yeah. Um, large student loans, um, they were um, in deferment for at least 12 months after closing. We didn't have to count that debt. And mm-hmm. So they qualified at all. at all. We had to count that debt at all. But that was the uh, mortgage industry rules at the time. Right. And now they're all right pretty much um have been updated yeah um i think a va loan is the only one now that allows if you're not in def- if you're not in a payment plan right now and in deferment that it would allow for that
1: to not be counted mm-hmm. correct what about if you were uh working i know we've had this we had a, a gentleman several years ago who had gone to law school and had a, you know as as law students tend to have, I think probably $100,000, $120,000. I don't know how much, you know, in debt. Um, And he was, his plan was, he was working in the nonprofit sector and to get one of these nonprofit sector forgiven, it's called... What is it called? Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, where if you work in certain fields um, for 10 years, then you can get uh, large portions or all of your uh, student loans forgiven. So that was his plan. So I don't believe he was paying on the student loans because, you know, they were in deferment or whatever while he was doing the public service. Yeah. Most
2: people in those, in that type of plan, they are not making payments because they know it's going to be forgiven after their time put into that private sector, like your public sector, like you said. I will say that has come up um, a handful of times. Um, Unfortunately, I'm I'm not aware of just yet that any of the loan programs have adjusted to that to allow Mm. for that to be not counted. So if they have a zero payment because there's not a guarantee that someone would stay in that profession for... Let's say you're only three years in and you have seven more years before your loans are forgiven. So um, the student loan guidelines have not adjusted to that type of repayment plan. And I think most lenders, uh, a decent lender, wouldn't encourage someone to get out of a situation like that um, in order to be able to document student loan payments in order to qualify for a mortgage. Like, I would never do that to someone.
1: So in, in this case, the, the gentleman, yeah, I mean, that was really kind of his only option because 1% of his student loan balance was like $1,200, uh, so he would have to count a monthly payment of $1,200, but his income was only in the, you know, thirty dollars to $40,000 range. And so that left him enough for maybe a, you know, $28,000 house or something in terms of his debt-to-income ratio. Um, and so that situation wasn't working. And, um, and, you know, it makes me sad that that's not something that is you know, the kind of the pros and cons, cause and effect. You know, if you take all these student loans, you should be aware that down the road, you know, th- these may be some stumbling blocks. I have a feeling that there are people who go into, especially grad programs, um, and take on the debt thinking my plan is to work in the public sector. So I'm going to just take as many loans as I can because, you know, I'm just going to work in the public sector for 10 years and, and get my loans forgiven. Mm-hmm. And while that can be a good strategy... Gosh, you should just be aware up front that that may mean that you're not buying a house for 10 years. And if that's part of your plan and your vision, then that's totally fine. Yeah, it's tough, too, because
2: um, the ones that I've encountered have decent credit. So it's not a credit qualification. It's more of a debt to income, you know. And so it is tough because they are choosing to be in a field that they have passion and you know that's what they went to school for and one of the benefits to be in that is to have your student loans forgiven for sure so
1: all right let's take one last break and then we're going to come back with a few resources and just a few suggestions on what you should do if you uh, are wanting to buy a house and you have student loan debt so hang in there we'll be right back you're listening to real real estate today your home for smart real estate
3: stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
0: are you interested in buying or selling a home not sure what the next step is dev can help Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on start here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com.
2: What makes a great leader?
3: Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
0: You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com Now, back to this week's program.
1: All right. Welcome back. As we're talking student loans, what should you be doing if you have student loans and you would like to buy a house? So here is some, I would say, unsolicited advice, but you turned on my radio show, so you must want some advice, right? There you go. So it's solicited advice. Uh, obviously, I'm going to tell you again, I'm fiscally fairly conservative. Live frugally and pay down your debt. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Don't live above your means. Um, we were joking this morning. I had a closing, and the title company said, You know, every spring we have a conversation in our office about if you've got a stressed out realtor because a closing's not happening, it's probably because they owe someone money. They haven't had a closing in a long time. <laughs> I'm like, That's probably true <laughs> because realtors run out and buy fancy cars when they have one closing and they don't have any money left. So, live frugally, pay down your debt. Um, use the resources. This is just my opinion. It's my show. Uh, use resources not to find a way out, but to find a way through the debt. Um, there are lots of resources out there. A um, couple I found mappingyourfuture.org, which is a nonprofit, which is a website that if you are even a high school student or you've got kids in high school, it's a good starting point to help you through. To plan ahead, um, and uh, another one is studentloans.org, which is studentloans with an S.org, which I, I believe is a government um, website, but it's got some re- repayment calculators. Um, don't pay for it's like um, loan uh, debt consolidation. as we've like preached in the past. Don't pay. For someone to tell you what to do, the resources are out there. That's where you need to spend your energy on making sure that you've got the best interest rates and the best terms and the best situation. Um, So spend your energy strategizing a way to get through it rather than trying to scheme and scam to get out of it, if that makes sense. Um, I also think another piece of advice is don't count on anything. (laughs) Don't count on anything to stay the same. Because, like, if you go into college thinking, well, I'm going to do this public, um, public service loan forgiveness program, guess what? By the time you're out of college, yeah, that program may not, may not exist anymore, right. uh, which is a very scary thought to a lot of people. I think that uh, if, you're, if they change it, the people who are currently in the program are probably going to be grandfathered in. Um, but if you're going to school thinking that you're going to use that program, Don't uh, I read another article that was for specifically for doctors uh, and how physicians on fire or something like that? But it was talking a lot about financing or uh, student loans and sort of how you get started and how you get off on the right foot so that you can eventually retire because um, medical students often have two three hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, which is crazy. Uh, And they said, you know, even if you are working for a nonprofit hospital and you're thinking you're going to get loan forgiveness, their recommendation is to still live frugally and still put aside money, invest it, not retirement investing, but investing you can get to because if something go changes, and you don't have access to that loan forgiveness program that you're counting on, Mm -hmm. you've got a chunk of money set aside. Now, if you hit your 10 years and the loan's forgiven, then great, you've got all this money set aside. You can go do something great with it. Um, So that I thought was some really good advice. Uh, Another bit of advice is, we talked about this I think a little bit last week, but maintaining your credit score. You know, We've talked mostly today uh, and last week about debt-to-income ratio because that's where the student loans really come into play. However, maintaining a good credit score is really an important first step. Um, one, it's don't give up. I think sometimes people think, well, I'm never going to buy a house because I have all this debt, so what, what does it matter if I have a good credit score? So I think mentally it's healthy to not give up and move forward. But um, Karen, is it true that some loans can... Um. Look at your debt to income by a case by case basis, and if you've got a little bit more than the rules, maybe you've got a really good credit score.
2: I would say yes. Um. There are. It's definitely. There's a lot of loan programs and lenders that use an automated underwriting system mm-hmm. that goes with whatever uh, loan program that they're that they're trying to get someone qualified for. That could potentially push those limits based on the entire um, credit package, I would say. So okay. that's looking at income. It is looking at um, assets. It's looking at credit. So maybe where if like a conservative number would be like 45% mm-hmm. debt to income, maybe there there's other strengths, other other places that the automated system could say, you know what, I think we're okay at 48%. Yeah. So It's not going to
1: get you up to 70. Right. But if you're right <laughs> yeah. on the edge it can get you a little bit more. It could definitely. Um, and mm-hmm. so it definitely makes uh, makes a, a big, uh, big difference. So make sure you're paying those bills on time. Make sure you are aware of when those student loans start. That, I think that's one of the most common things I hear. People are like, I didn't know that the payments were starting up. And, you know, when you're that age, you're moving around a lot, they probably have a hard time finding you. Um, so pay your bills on time. Um, use different kinds of credit, all the things that we've talked about in the past about helping build your credit because that will really make a difference. Um, decrease your debt to income ratio, which doesn't always mean uh, paying down your student loans. There can be other kinds of debt that you can pay down as well if you have a car loan um, or um credit cards and things like that. So again, this is when you want to be strategic about what you're paying down. Um, you know, you want to pay down high interest rates. Some people say pay down the smallest first so that you feel some success or victory, but just come up with a strategy and uh, and keep working on it. Um, I think that the message here is, uh don't give up uh this article that i was reading talks about reducing your debt to income um you know and maybe part of that is increasing your income whether it's getting a second job or a side gig or trying to get a raise you know things like that um and not just get a second job so you can pay your debt down but if you have a second a part-time job how long do you have to have it before it can count as income Typically two years. Okay, so that's something else, yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times that can be a strategy where you get a part-time job to help supplement your income, but just know that in the mortgage world you do have to have that job for at least two years to show that that's typical and normal income for you and not just like, I mean, imagine if everybody like runs out the week before they go to get a mortgage and like, I'm going to go get a part-time job and work it, you know. Macy's or something right on the weekends it's considered stable and
2: uh, it can be qualifying income after two years
1: yeah uh, one of the things we always say too is you know I'm Sure, you're tired of me saying this, but have a relationship with a lender so that they can help point you in the right direction. um, For that, you know whether that's I just I don't think there's harm in get trying to get pre-approved or starting you know a year before you want to buy the house so that you're ready to go. Because Karen, I'm sure you've run into a million people who. All the I time. think they're ready to go, and then they realize they're not.
2: Or they're not ready to go, but they need to know where how, how to do it. So, yeah. you know, any. I feel like any decent lender would take a few minutes to do that for somebody.
1: Right. Also, you know, one of my other bits of advice is to don't give in to peer pressure. Just because your friends are buying a house doesn't mean you have to buy a house. Um, so, you know, think about that, too. Uh, you know, really look at your long-term uh, plan and and see how this fits in there um let me revisit mappingyourfuture.org and studentloans.org are a couple of the sites that I thought had some pretty good information and resources um but again this this really starts way back when it really needs to start in high school understand the impact I'm never going to win that one but that's I know I know, I used to talk to local uh, local high schools here about
2: uh, maintaining, establishing a good credit, like the mm-hmm. credit history, maintaining it, and why you even need it. And there used to be a teacher here for they retired at uh, at a local high school that I was in um, every every semester just to kind of give that information to the, just those kids that took that class. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah, it really does. No one ever teaches you
1: that. It really does. Um, and uh, what I want to leave you with is just stay aware you know open those envelopes uh you know do a google search once a month of new student loan rules have a relationship with a lender. Don't be afraid to ask questions. That was sort of the gist I got from the article of the guy. I said it was kind of a little bit whiny. He just went with whatever was handed to him. He never really asked a lot of questions, but this is really your future, and it can determine uh, how things go and how you do meeting your goals. So don't expect things to be the same now. If you understand it now, it's going to be completely different in a year. So you want to stay informed um, until you can make all the student loans go away. And then you don't have to be informed about them anymore, right, until you have kids. Uh, anything else you wanted to add?
2: No. I no. mean, it's all—it's constantly changing. So That's just, just kind huge, of yeah. just be, be, just be uh, vigilant to what you're doing. It's your yeah. future, yeah. you know. Yeah.
1: I wish I could, you know, come on the show and go, okay, here are the answers for you. The answers are eight, six, and nine, (laughs) you know, but it's not, it's, it depends and it will change. So that's our message. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Always appreciate it. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, Deb Tomorrow Realtor, Uh, pose any questions you have for us there. We've got all kinds of links to a lot of the articles we talked about today. Um, Be sure to tune in to C-SPAN and see what else the uh, Monopoly Man and Lindsay Lohan have in store for us. And we'll be back to tell you about it next week. Thanks so much. This was Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.